Welcome. My name is Austin. I'm one of the uh, pastors here, and we're glad you're here this morning, wherever you're joining us from. Uh, welcome. Uh, seems, seems like today we had a bit, of a bit of a nice reprieve from like the intense heat that we've had over the last two weeks, although this week was not as bad as last week, right? The week we broke records a week ago, didn't we? Like a couple days straight? I don't know. I thought whenever this heat comes around, like for me, the heat... The cut grass, like my mind just goes straight to football. Like football season, maybe it's because like back when two days were a thing, like it was always really hot. And so it's just like anytime I walk outside, I smell the grass, I feel the heat, I'm like, football. Yes, I'm getting ready for it. I know. Any Notre Dame fans in the house this morning? Okay. Got a few? A few Notre Dame fans? Any, any, like anything but Notre Dame fans in the house this morning? Okay, so, all right. We're going to have some fun this morning. I figured as much. Even if you're not a Notre Dame fan, okay, that's all right. I, I consider myself a, a Notre Dame, a realistic Notre Dame fan, okay? Come on, there is a such thing. Notre Dame fans in the room, you know what I'm talking about. There's a such thing. Um, but listen, even if you're not, there's a chance, if you live around here, there's a chance that you have been to Notre Dame's campus before. Um, it's a beautiful campus. Uh, there, if you've been, you've likely seen statues. You've likely seen a lot of statues. And some, you know, if you're not a Notre Dame fan, they don't really make sense. Uh, But if you are one, I want to put you to the test this morning. Okay? So if you're watching online and, you know, you want to chime in, you want to comment what you think the answers are, um, I'd like to see how many of these statues you guys can guess correctly. You can correctly identify. Sound good? Oh, now you're all quiet. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. That's how it goes with Notre Dame fans, right? All right, let's see. Let's see this. Okay, so we've got, we're going to go with this first picture. I start off with an easy one. I think, that, I think this one's pretty easy, okay? Pretty recognizable, right? It's on top of the Golden Dome. Who is that? That's Mary. Okay, I heard someone shout it out. Okay, yep, that is the Virgin Mary. Um, yep, on top of the Golden Dome. The next one. See, you don't have to be a Notre Dame fan, you don't have to be a Notre Dame fan to get this one right either. Okay, what? Who is this? Who does this statue represent? Jesus. That's right. That's right. That is most definitely Jesus. Okay, now we're going to get into like some of, the, some of the more difficult ones, okay? All right, so this next one. This next one. Who do we have here? Wow, you guys are really solid. First service struggled. I will, I will shout out to Joe, Tan, Joe Towner. Did a great job. Missed all but one. Or sorry, <laughs> missed all but one? That's not a great job. Got all of them correct but one. So, yep, Newt Rockney, kind of, a, kind of a big deal, okay? Fun fact about him, he's got like the most, like the highest win percentage in NCAA football, like Division I history, so kind of cool. Go Irish, right? Uh, all right, next one. Who is this? Lou Holtz, right? Such a sweet guy he is. You'd have to know Lou Holtz to get that one. Um, everybody loves him. Didn't like him when he was a coach, I guess, from what I've heard. Um, but uh, everybody seems to love him now. So, um, all right, we got Lou Holtz. That's correct. If you got that one right, nice. How many, is, every, is anyone, uh, what are we at? Four for four? Is anyone four for four? Hands in the air? Okay, only a few people. All right. Um, after Lou, who do we have? Okay, who's got this one? Who knows this one? Any guesses? Era, yeah, this is Era Parsegian. Yep, there he is. Okay, really, really loved by Notre Dame fans all around. Okay, um, next one after Era. 
Who's this? Kind of a hint. He was after Era. Dan. Yeah, that's right. Dan Devine. Okay, also formerly known as the guy that like flipped off an entire Clemson crowd. Okay, <laughs> he was that guy. Okay, uh, but yeah, uh, he wasn't particularly enjoyed by Notre Dame fans until after he was there, which is like, I don't know, it's like a coaching thing. Like you don't realize what you had until it's gone. Okay, except for, uh, um, what's his face? I'm not even going to mention his name. Okay, the guy that's at LSU now. He must not be named. Um, okay, yep, Dan Devine. Next one after him. Anybody got this one? Oh, yeah, well, okay, got some lay. I thought this one might stump people. Yeah, that's good. Behind uh, Newt Rockney, I think he's like one or two uh, people down, but he's, he's up there for like the highest win percentage in college football history. So, he's, yeah, he's, he's up there. Um, all right, this last one. Let's see if I can get some of you guys. Anyone, any, does anyone have all of them right so far? Does anyone have all of them right? You in the back? Scott, I figured you would, Scott. Lynn, you're cheating. Don't lie. All right. We're in a church. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Who do we have here? Does anyone know this one? A leprechaun. Oh, maybe. Corby. Yeah, this is Reverend William Corby. Fun fact about this guy. He's kind of like the namesake for the fighting Irish. Okay. He was a, he was a, a reverend. He was a chaplain in the... Um, in the Civil War, uh, was part of like the Irish Brigade, like the Irish Brigade, um, like, yeah, really famous guy. So this is, this is uh, Reverend William Carby, he was also uh, a president at the time, was, um, had a role in getting the Golden Dome over to Notre Dame. So yeah, kind of a big deal. So you Notre Dame fans that didn't know this guy, like, come on, step up your game. All right? So a few people got all of them correct. One last question. What... Are these perp- what is the purpose for these statues? What is their purpose? These statues, right? They typically resemble someone or something. That's what a statue does, right? It represents an image. But more than that, statues also bring honor and glory to the image that they bear, right? At least a good statue will do that. Today we're going to be starting a series, a three-week series called Imago Dei. Has anyone ever heard of this phrase before, Imago Dei? Anybody? Any hands in the air? Okay, a few people. I saw your hand up. Do you know what it means? Image of God. Nice, nailed it. It's Latin. This is a Latin phrase um, for... For the phrase, image of God. Okay, imago Dei. And throughout history, throughout history, the interpretation of what this phrase means to be made in the image of God um, has shaped cultures. It has shaped religions. Okay, because whatever it means to be made in the image of God is fundamental in understanding our meaning as humans, our purpose, our value. Our, our like vocation in existence, I'm convinced is tied to what it means to be made in the image of God. In other words, when we understand what it means for all humans, you, me, the person sitting next to you, the person you disagree with, the person you don't like, when we understand what it means for all humans to be made in the image of God, we will better understand ourselves. So that's what we're talking about for the next three weeks, Imago Dei. Sound good? Maybe? 
Okay? You don't have to agree. It's fine. I'm cool. We're still going to talk about it, though. So, uh, so if you uh, have your Bibles with you, I invite you to open up your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be uh, going, starting in the beginning. Okay? So turn. I say that a lot because I really like the book of Genesis. It's probably my favorite book. And it's also like kind of a pun in the beginning or starting in the beginning. Okay. Genesis 1, 20, uh, 1 26. Here we go. Um, so up into this point in the story, uh, God has been busy ordering, right? Ordering, creating, and blessing. He's speaking, and things are coming into existence, right? So here we are. We pick up in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then he blesses them and then takes a nap, right? He rests, okay? But here we have mankind created last, the pinnacle of his creation, created in his own image, the image of God, imago Dei, except that's Latin, right? We, we determined that that is Latin, and the Bible wasn't originally written in Latin. Genesis was actually, although imago Dei sounds, it sounds cool, like it does. It sounds, that's why I picked it, because it sounds cool. Some people know it. Okay, but in, but in Hebrew, the phrase imago Dei is selim Elohim. Selim Elohim. Elohim meaning God, and Selim meaning image. However, a more literal translation of that word Selim would be statue. So you can see here, the, more, the, the literal translation of that word is statue. Inscribed column. But the most common translation for that word Selim throughout the scriptures, the Hebrew Bible, is the word idol. Idol. So God creates humans as statues or idols of himself. Did God just like break one of the, one of the Ten Commandments? I mean, come on, God, you should, you should know these things, right? Aren't idols a no-no? Like, you don't do that. You don't, make, you don't make idols of God. But that's literally exactly what God does here in Genesis 1 when he makes humans. Why? That's... that's we, the purpose, well, what is the purpose of a statue or an idol in its literal sense? To represent someone or something and bring it honor and glory. In the ancient Near East, idols functioned as a reflection and embodiment of the gods, lowercase g, small g, okay? And they were not the actual gods themselves. Idols were meant to be an image of the gods and also to mediate the power and presence of the gods. Again, small g. So then God makes mankind in his image. What does this mean? Well, there have been a few implications over the years um, and, and that, that we've made over the years because like God, humans have souls, right? Humans have souls. We have minds. We have emotions. We have a capacity to think of, of possibilities and create and engineer, right, and invent magnificent, beautiful, awesome things. And while these are truly unique characteristics of, of humans, and they, they maybe appear to answer the question of how we are made in the image of God, what it doesn't answer is why or for what purpose. 
Because how we are made in the image of God is different than what it means to be made in the image of God. So what does it mean? What does it mean to be imago Dei? Well, according to Genesis 1, we are in the literal sense of the word idols of God. Statues, idols made in God's image to represent God and to bring honor and glory to him, to God. Perhaps this is part of why God says don't make idols because he already made them, us. We already are. That is what it means to be imago Dei, to resemble, to reflect, to represent God. Friends, this is fundamental in understanding our purpose as humans. It is key. It is pivotal. Who here has ever thought about their purpose or wondered what their purpose is? I would say most of us. If you haven't, you probably will, all right? It just... That question just hits you sometimes. Or maybe you've heard someone, maybe you've heard someone like as they're talking about, I, I'm just searching for my purpose. I'm trying to find my purpose. Isn't you've heard anyone ever say that before? Right? Like we hear these things, and, and usually that question ends up leading us to all sorts of places to find it. Whether it's work, many of us try to find our purpose in work, parenthood, serving, leading even traveling across the world to find it. This week, I was, uh, I was on the phone. I was on my phone trying to pay a bill, okay, like, like an old person, all right? And um, I, I'm, I'm doing that thing where I'm, I'm writing stuff down and I'm doing that thing where you use your ear and your shoulder to kind of pinch the phone. You know what I'm saying? You see people do this all the time, right? Not anymore because people just put it on speakerphone, except for me. For some reason, I'm like doing the weird ear pinch. And I'm writing something down, and, and then they ask me, they ask me a question about the bill. And so I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's on my phone. Like the answer's on my phone. Well, hold on, let me, let, me, let me find it. Where, where'd it go? No, I just had it. You know, and so I'm doing this weird thing where I'm like, where is my... Please tell me I'm not the only one who's done that before. Okay, all right, see, some of you just don't want to admit it. Maybe you've done it with like a pen or a pencil. Okay, whatever it is, all right? It was right there all along, okay? Searching for your purpose is like looking for something you always had. You were created with it. Created in the image of God to represent God and to glorify Him. Your purpose is directly tied to your Creator, like a statue. And this might sound like way too simple or like kind of strange, but hear me out. Because this idea of our purpose being to glorify God is throughout the scriptures. It is a theme all the way through. And I believe that this idea for us, like what is to glorify God, like this idea for us has either been like misinterpreted or, or been diminished into all but a few things that we do as Christians or as followers of Jesus. Because there are some pretty easy, some pretty obvious things that we do that, that we consider glorifying to God, right? Like going to church. 
Like that's, that's, yeah, sure, that's glorifying to God. Singing and praising God with worship music. Like, yeah, that's, that's glorifying to God. Making good choices and doing the right thing and sharing the gospel, the good news, and reading the Bible, right, and praying before you eat or sleep. Like these, these are all good things, things we ought to be doing, okay? But, but what I think happens is that many of us, many of us get caught up in wondering what we can do or what we need to do in order to glorify God more or better or whatever it is. And we, we end up getting caught up in this question, like, what do I need to do to glorify God? What do I need to do to glorify God? I love what Paul says. He says this in 1 Corinthians because he gets it. He says, 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. The question isn't, what more can I do to glorify God? You were made for that. You were made to do that. The question we should be asking ourselves is, does this glorify God? When I go throughout my day, does this glorify God? Whether I eat or drink, whatever you do, does this honor God? Does it bring honor to Him? Are there areas of your life where you need to consider, am I doing this for the glory of God? Do it all for the glory of God, Paul writes. There is purpose, friends, in everything that you do. Everything that you do. At work. Your job. Monday's coming around, right? It's tomorrow. There's purpose in that. Divine purpose. You can choose to go to work and honor God and glorify God with your work. That's, that is like there in the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, whatever you do, glorify God at school. Students at school. You can honor God with, with doing good at school and applying yourself and doing working hard because you know that when you work hard, because God made us to work, that's being part of, in his image, we'll get to that in a later week, but God made us to work like being a hard worker. We, we image God well when we do that. We represent God well. Making dinner, landscaping, cleaning, parenting, going out with friends or coworkers, dating, chatting with a neighbor, posting on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, like whatever you do or don't do, because sometimes not participating in something is, is, is more glorifying to God than participating in it, but whatever you do, does it glorify God? My hope is that you're beginning to see how this is a huge implication of, of how about, about understanding what it means to be made in the image of God. Because all of the sudden, when we understand that everything we do, all of a sudden, more of my mundane activities, like the things I'm just like, oh, more of my mundane activities fall under this umbrella of glorifying God. And it forces you to rethink all of your daily activities. Am I glorifying God? Friend, you were made to do that. Am I glorifying God? 
How are you bearing his image and bringing glory to him? Because this was the intent of humans all along. As his image-bearing creation, we are created to do this naturally. Like it is just in our nature, glorify God. Except many times we don't, right? Many times we don't glorify God. Or at least as much as we would like to or should. The truth is we aren't great image-bearers. I'm not a very good statue. And if I'm honest with myself, I know that I'm made and called and should be a certain kind of person that I perpetually fail to be or that I, or that I only am inconsistently. The image I was created to bear, I often don't. And that inconsistency across humanity can be tracked all the way back to the beginning, in the garden, when we swapped God's truth for a lie. And we talked about this in our war series that we just wrapped up, right? In Genesis 3, 4, you will, the serpent comes to Eve, the devil, and he says, you will not certainly die. You won't certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, from this tree, from the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. We were already like God, made in his image, but we were deceived. We believed the lie that God was holding out on us instead of trusting that God's definition of good and evil is is good and trusting that, we wanted to define it for ourselves. And I say we because we do this every day. And if you don't, I know I sure do. It seems like every day I try to justify something or rationalize something that I know doesn't honor God that I know I shouldn't be doing, that I know I shouldn't be looking at. And like, I have to remember that what I do, everything I do is, 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 is about glorifying God. We try to rationalize it. We try to define good and evil for ourselves. And so we deface or dishonor the image of God. And that has created grave consequences of tragedy and death in our world, consequences that had to be dealt with and were dealt with on a cross. We're image-bearing humans no longer fully bearing the image that that we were created to bear. But we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to live back into that glory, to live back into that image-bearing glory that our purpose, even though it has been really, really badly tarnished, the image of God can be reclaimed, restored, and renewed through Jesus. Jesus, he comes as the one true human, the new Adam. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, Jesus is the image of God, is. Jesus is the image of God. The God of this age, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He writes the same thing in Colossians. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. If we had time today, I would absolutely read through Colossians. Like just the, the theme of, if you have time this week, do that. 
It'll take you all but 10, 15 minutes. 10, 15 minutes. Read through Colossians, letters 1, 2, 3, and 4. That's all it is. Friends, the theme, the theme of glory throughout Colossians and how Jesus is renewing that in us is all throughout that book. That book has a lot to do with the idea of humans being renewed according to the image of God through Jesus, the human that we all perpetually fail to be. And we have the opportunity to live back into the glory, that glory, image-bearing creation with Jesus. If you follow Jesus, if you trust Jesus, you trust what he says is good, and you learn from him, all of a sudden what's true of Jesus is now becoming true of you. Jesus is the image, and now you're being renewed, reclaimed into the image. Jesus shows us what it looks like to live in such a way that truly bears God's image and truly glorifies God. Read the Sermon on the Mount. Take some time. Look over how Jesus models the image of God in our world and learn from that. Learn from that. So what areas, what areas of your life need to be brought back into purpose? Brought back into that representation that you carry as the image of God. What does this look like for you? Maybe it's just being more conscious of that idea, that you bear God's image everywhere you go, whatever you do. You can choose to bring honor or dishonor God with your choices. Every aspect of your life has purpose. Every aspect, wherever you go, whatever you do, do it all, Paul says, for the glory of God as imago Dei, made in his image. Friends, as we dive into this, this idea more, what it means to be a statue of God, literally, we're going to talk about things like purpose and value and vocation and how this idea, how you were created, what you were created to do, your purpose, is fundamental for us as humans, pivotal. So I challenge you this week as you think about this, as you go about your days at work, be considerate. How are you bearing God's image? And then some homework, read Colossians. It won't take you long, I promise. Read through it and let me know what you think next week, I don't know. I had a great conversation with someone after the service telling me how it's, it's so Neat, that imagery, especially when we consider that Jesus, would, when we call Jesus the rock, when we build our lives on the rock and how statues are built on, oftentimes built on rock, I was like, wow, that is such a cool imagery. So I'd encourage you, think about this stuff as you go on, as you go about your week. Think about how this applies to you and where you can better image God in your life. Can I pray for you? All right, let's pray. 
God, thank you so much again for this opportunity this morning to share your word. God, I pray that as we go into our weeks, um, that we remember how important it is to bear your image, how important it is to represent you to a blind world. God, that whenever we interact with someone, we have the opportunity to glorify you, to honor you, and that people will see that. They might not know what it means, but something about us will be different. Something about us will be full, will be whole. Jesus, as we go in our week, renew us, reclaim us. Jesus, we're tarnished images, but Jesus, you came and you died on the cross and showed us what it looks like to be renewed, to put on a new self, to put on you, Christ. Help us to do that. God, may your spirit guide us and lead us this week as, as, we, as we pursue renewal, as we pursue what it means and looks like and, and how, we, how we image, bear your image well. I thank you for this opportunity this morning. Jesus, I thank you for your work on the cross. May we remember this this week and this opportunity we had. It's in your name. Amen.